Hi everyone, my name is Steven Wakabayashi, and you're listening to Yellow Glitter, mindfulness through the eyes and soul of queer Asian perspectives. This episode, guess who's back again? We have Derek. Hi everyone. Welcome back. And we have a great episode for you today where we talk about rainbow washing. But for listeners who are new to the podcast, Derek, you want to do a quick intro of who you are? Hi, my name is Derek Tran. I reside in Los Angeles, business owner here. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm interested in activism. Um, any any sort of subjects, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say. It's so awkward. <laughs> Hi, my name is Derek Tran. I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> uh, just read what's on your uh, Tinder profile. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you serious? Do you want to know no, what it is? Hold on. I'm let, kidding. Let no, see. you don't have to. If you don't. <laughs> no, I think, it's, I think it's pretty clever. But okay, let me see. what is it? Where's my Tinder? Okay, here it is. I like my men like I like my pizza. Borderline cheap, cheesy, not too saucy, thin but meaty, and New York style. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, you know, give it a little personality. Mm. I, I mean, I've seen Tinder profiles with just their height and their Venmo handle, which is, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. Uh, I just see the ones with emojis and nothing oh, else. Oh, God, those are the worst. <laughs> Why do gay men communicate only in emojis? <laughs> it's another language. <laughs> It's, oh my god, it's so reductive. It's just like they can't communicate. Top <laughs> now, well explanation enough. point. Exactly. There's always a peach emoji. <laughs> peach, tongue lick, yes. water oh droplet. <laughs> the eyes looking to the left or whatever. Uh, that is so funny. Well, yeah, okay. Let's get into it. So, first part of our podcast, what we normally do is to talk about everything that is COVID pandemic, since we're still in the thick of it. And lately, in the past few weeks, it seems like New York, California, and many other states started to reduce their mask mandates altogether. At least in New York City, where I live, the mandate is if you've gotten both vaccinations, you don't have to wear masks, but it's also up to the individual businesses to set up mandates and restrictions needed. Today, I, I took it to get groceries this morning. I usually go in the morning when it's really empty. And there's a bunch of people who had no masks on. It's it's a little nerve-wracking, I will be honest. Yeah. After a year of wearing masks. It's the same thing here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. The mask mandate was lifted on June 15th. So you're required to wear it in public areas like subways, bus stations, mm -hmm. schools, and also it is up to the individual businesses. But what's tricky is you don't know who's vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, uh, at the gym alone, I will say it was very nerve-wracking because no, barely anyone was wearing a mask. And I know from experience, men there 
tend to not wash their hands after using the restroom, so you just never know what you're breathing in. So I'm keeping the mask on just to. Oh, and the equipment—they don't wipe anything down. Exactly. Exactly. I would just add with a COVID. Uh, pandemic is just to be more conscientious of what's happening all around the world too. And while we are reducing restrictions, I think we just have to be uber careful of when travel starts picking up again, which was really the main precursor to the pandemic. And most parts of the world, which is a sad reality. Are still struggling tremendously with COVID vaccinations and just keeping their people healthy, like India, yeah, India, wow. Asia, many parts of Asia actually, um, South America especially, they're oh, having yeah. a very difficult time. Yeah, since yeah. Uh, I think Biden um, pledged five hundred million doses to South America. <laughs> This administration is another thing. Pledge versus do, I think. Yes. yes <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm like, yeah, you know, pledge all you want until you actually send it. Don't talk about it. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. So the topic of today's podcast, right, that we've seen more and more lately has been the concept of rainbow washing, where... At the strike of June 1st, right, on the dot, all of a sudden, all these corporations start introducing all of their rainbow-laden logos, their marketing collateral, rainbow merchandise. Target even started selling this in May. And we're not even hitting the stride of Pride, which is typically the end of June. And just so much has already happened that corporations have been doing and it just hasn't been sitting right especially with many of us in the queer community and i just want to ask you what are some of your thoughts it's all just a money grab i think we all understand how business works and how there's a lot of gray areas in making income but there are certain companies like american airlines they donated something like $45,000 to Mitch McConnell and you know where he stands on gay rights. Mm-hmm. AOC was calling out on Twitter all these different companies that had rainbow logos. And I think the interesting one was Raytheon, which is a defense contractor. They make weapons, they make guns, they facilitate war. And they also donated to Republican parties that opposed trans rights queer rights and yet surprise surprise yeah and yet they have a logo that's rainbow and when i go back to it too i post on linkedin a couple posts about it that have been getting a lot of traction it's about eight thousand some likes on linkedin which is crazy yeah yeah and it's interesting because you see so much discussion happening on the post across the spectrum right there's yes a lot of folks in the queer space allies queer folks all agree it's just too much especially given the times when we are still fighting for liberation especially for trans folks who have their rights stripped and taken away in many states these companies putting up all these logos at the same time there is no action behind the words whatsoever are they donating money are they making their companies safer for queer folks do they have health care provisions for their trans employees 
And then the other flip side are the people on the post that talk about, well, you can't talk down these companies like that because they're not going to donate anymore if you are being so difficult. A great example of this is Converse. For mm-hmm. several years now, during the month of June, they they released some sort of Pride edition where you know Rainbow mm-hmm. slapped onto a pair of their shoes. Converse is a subsidiary of Nike, mm-hmm. and there's a great app called Goods Unitas, That's and great. they actually it's an gr- amazing app where and s- sponsor us if you can. Hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a great no, no, no it's it's a great That's app, amazing. and it'll show you how individual companies as well as celebrities how they donate to certain um, political parties and it's even comes to the point where they'll signify if they stopped donating PACs PACs Mm -hmm. to politicians that didn't verify the election which Mm -hmm. is kind of amazing it's great just to put in companies and it's mostly for well-known established companies But just putting that in to see who are they funding, they actually used to have more data in terms of how much the actual quantifiable amount. I think it may have incited some stuff, rightfully so. But they just say, hey, this company donates to these people and these are the order of ranking of how much in terms of whatever they've donated. It's kind of eye-opening, right? You're like, oh, my goodness. These companies donate to both parties, but sometimes... I can't believe you donate to Republicans at all. Yeah. Circle back to Converse. They are basically co-opting the rainbow flag, and yet their donations are basically 50-50 to uh, Democrats and Republicans, yet they have mm-hmm. this money grab during June just to grab them gay dollars. It is crazy because I have another example where Bluestone Lane, an Australian coffee company, they sent an email to me about a new coffee that they're announcing. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. It's just like a coffee bag with a bunch of rainbow hearts on it. And I I just wanted to explore, you know, what was on the website? What was the purpose behind it? And one, this is the most expensive coffee they sell. So using the rainbow to validate the expense of this product and for coffee drinkers out there, you know the difference between single origin versus a just a blend, right? And blends mm-hmm. are typically cheaper. This was a blend coffee that was on par with the most expensive single origin coffee that they have. And the fact that there's companies out there who try to validate, hey, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to try to donate the proceeds, but we're also needing to increase the prices because we have to cover the costs then don't donate the money, you know, then don't, don't create this product. Don't. There is no need to have to still profit in order to donate to funds, right? That, Mm -hmm. That part, I think companies need to have a reckoning with. You don't have to succeed to be able to donate money to other people who are much less fortunate slash organizations, individuals who are in severe deficit who need money to be able to operate. This concept of performative allyship, right? Well, some companies, right, they don't even perform. And all they're trying to do is this virtue signaling of, hey, look at us, we're conscious. There was this TikTok influencer who made the video that was like, if you don't want to do this out of the goodwill of your heart, and if you just don't want to donate, then don't be an ally. Don't be an ally. It's okay. Don't be an ally. Then say you're not an ally. 
<laughs> I guess we don't need you. Yeah. They're like, I guess we don't need you. I was like, oh my God, that's powerful. Because what kind of company would want to say that they're not an ally, right? Mm-hmm. We're at this point where you've got to be with people and it's going to severely impact how much money you make. And so some of this is really just a way for their businesses to continue because otherwise they're not going to make any money. What's really interesting is that media representation really ties into us being targeted for our dollars because only about 5% of Americans identify as queer and we're targeted every single June because of our dollars. In Los Angeles alone in 2019, I think Pride produced about $75 million in profits. Mm-hmm. So they're really gunning for us because we're more visible. Mm. Well, even though only 5% identifies LGBTQ, but interestingly enough, there was a survey that was done with Gen Z and they said 17% of Gen Z identify as LGBTQ. So there's conversation right now on whether that statistic is not accurate particularly because people are still in the closet but anyway in terms of overall reach there are a lot of allies who identify as either a very close friend a relative or somebody that's very supportive of somebody lgbtq in their lives and five percent if we just break that down that's five out of a hundred people one out of 20 what that means is the reach is actually farther than we realize. Mm-hmm. If not, at least all Americans may or may not know somebody immediately within their circle of friends or circle of contacts, if they are not an ally, that identifies as LGBTQ. So why this marketing is so important is because this is a huge reach. And when, because that's the space that I'm in, when you can somehow drive this desire to purchase a product that isn't through a logical sense. Typically, marketing Mm -hmm. is through making you feel that you're not complete and that buying this product is somehow going to make you a better human being, complete who you are, blah, blah, blah. And so in, in a similar vein of marketing, this approach of using rainbow washing to market either the company or products that they sell is to make people feel as though they're doing something good in the world so that they purchase money or they provide more space to these certain companies, which is very twisted because if you're not actually doing the work, you're literally taking a movement to simply lift yourself up. Which is kind of funny because when you actually think of what a rainbow is, it's pretty, but there's not that much to it, which is exactly Mm -hmm. what these corporations are doing. They're just, again, it's performative allyship. They're Mm -hmm. they're just saying, hey, look at me. I'm doing this. I'm one of your buddies. But realistically, they're just trying to get your money and not actually pushing forward the gay, uh, I guess you can say the gay agenda. And. Sometimes it's very transactional too, right? Now I'm in the space of running my own nonprofits and working on my own projects. And I run into this instance where companies will sit on sponsorship dollars and not spend it on queer organizations until the month of June because they want to get in media. They want to get press about it. They want to do all these things. So they will hoard 
whatever that they were trying to spread out. And some people will go, well, no, isn't that good because they're donating? Well, the issue is 11 months of the year, they disappear. And when we talk about logistics, they have 11 more months to try to figure out how they keep their lights on, how they keep mm-hmm. their services running. What also saddens me too, there's certain queer organizations that get the spotlight in every inch of corner and one of them is the trevor project right everyone's doing everyone's doing everything for the trevor project but the trevor project does not impact all queer people Mm -hmm. i've been recommending this year i'm not going to highlight queer organizations because what i want people to do is the homework to identify local queer organizations within your neighborhood and sponsor them they're mm-hmm. severely underfunded, severely understaffed. They don't have, you know, glitzy and glammy marketing dollars to spend. And this is what people don't understand, too, is when a nonprofit becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, there's so much more budget allocated to just media mm-hmm. marketing. And so why everyone is aware of the Trevor Project is because they spend so much money on buying ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, ads everywhere, right? And everyone I mean, it's thinks, all about keeping up appearances, right? Exactly. The reality is, is your dollar that you donate, much less of that actually go towards impacting individuals. And when we, as we talk about queer people, the last part I wanted to mention is just, it's not just youth. There's queer people who are much older who are in situations that are very great for them. They've tried to live in the closet and it's just this breaking point where they're not able to be themselves. My perspective is you got to support queer people of all colors, shapes, sizes, ages, and we need to do a much better job of distributing how we're raising money. That brings up a really interesting point in the gay community mm-hmm. too, because Ageism in the gay community is it's pretty intense. Aside from much of our older generations of queers passing away from the AIDS pandemic, mm-hmm. now even like older queers now, I don't really know many over 50. I have friends and they tell me, it, you know, they're just one of the few friends that are alive and they tell me these stories of just watching their friends die one by one by one. It's a very heartbreaking, but yeah, this tremendous ageism, like gay death, right? <laughs> when you oh. when you go over thirty, <laughs> uh, oh, great! I haven't heard of that one. Thing. Oh, you haven't? Yeah, that's no. they call it gay death. <laughs> oh, well, I guess I guess I'll just come back in another lifetime. <laughs> and it's really interesting because in the gay community, because we're such a burgeoning community Mm -hmm. we don't put enough emphasis on how important it is to have mentors Mm -hmm. and so a lot of these gay men they live through things that we have never gone through because we're such a burgeoning uh, point we we feel like they have nothing to offer us Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of younger people don't feel like older gays because they were less represented they were less fully formed as gay individuals don't have anything to add but really they really do they they have life experiences that we can learn from and through them and as well as the older trans folks lesbian folks especially 
they ushered for us to have the liberation we have today, you know? And so there's mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people who are like, oh, I just hate pride. It's just not me. And why do I need to support it for some queer folks? I say, well, what do you mean you can't support it? Like the rights that you have today, they came through the fact that we had a coalition of folks, the L, the G, the B, T, and Q, coming together to form an alliance and to march in a parade together to illustrate unity in the face of discrimination, abuse. The beautiful part was this was really ushered by trans folks to bring Uh together gay men, lesbian women in a time when they're very segregated and walk together. That concept is so beautiful and we have to keep reminding ourselves that pride is a protest and that most part of the world still does not have liberation for queer folks there. And parts of Russia, Middle East, they have... Northern, all... Northern, Northern Africa, oh, Northern Africa uh, Dubai, yeah. Egypt. Yeah, honor killings where they incentivize family members to kill gay men, queer individuals within their families as a part of honoring the family it only yeah. happened a couple of weeks ago one yeah. went viral a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and most parts of asia too right as we talk about asians queer asians most of asia being queer is not accepted mm-hmm. in many parts of asia actually it's tolerated or somewhat tolerated <laughs> Just going back to my lineage, like in Japan, yes, but it's just the older population really struggling with it. Definitely a lot of momentum, but parts of Southeast Asia are still criminalized, which is crazy. Indonesia, mm-hmm. it's, it's Indonesia. But they allow Indonesia. women to be with women, which is just shows this, uh, the sexism, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... There's been a shift, too, in terms of the narrative and everything that's happening around us. And this corporate rainbow washing has not just, you know, showed up overnight. And it it has been over and over the past few years. It's been getting, I mean, one, it's been getting worse. But two, a movement of different initiatives, organizations making different radical decisions to shift how we hold space, especially within the month of June. And so one of the movement that I've just been really excited to see, especially in New York City, is the shift away from New York City Pride to uh, a community-led organization called the Queer Liberation March that removes all corporate sponsorships from the parade. And why I think this is really important is because I was a part of the World Pride Parade in 2019. And one, they have multiple parts of the world showing up, beautiful. But they also have a lot of companies who want to be a part of the parade. And for those who don't know, being a part of the parade, you actually have to buy your way in. And depending on how many people you want to bring, you actually have to pay more for a spot, which is then paid to the organization who organizes and rallies the parade. But anyway, New York City Pride took on way too many people. And from what I observed, way too many organizations. And so many of the organizations that are invited to show up that are more grassroots organizations that do work in the queer space ended up marching at 10, 11 p.m. in the evening. And 
in the U.S. our pride parades are usually in the mornings, afternoons. And it was crazy because I was waiting to go with them, my, my friends walking with their organization. And one hour had passed. We're like, okay, this is odd. Two hours had passed, three, four hours passed, and just no movement whatsoever. Yikes. Yeah, and then I had to go back home to run a support group because I was not expecting to, you know, for, I've walked in many parades in one hour, sure. But anything past that, it's just, I've never really seen that before. But yeah, they ended up being delayed about five, six hours. And the people who walked towards the end of the parade just walked to a sh- empty streets in darkness. And it's just... Yeah, I, I really didn't agree with that. And the people who show up in the afternoons are put on YouTube, right? It was live streamed, mm-hmm. all these beautiful photos. Who gets it, right? The corporations, right? Mm-hmm. Google, Facebook, Apple have all these floats and all these people on it. They get all these pictures taken and then they go home. And then you leave what's left for the people in the back, which is absolutely horrendous and so long-winded answer too i'm just really excited to see at least what our communities are organizing to help combat corporate sponsorship within our space i really love that because uh, up until more recent years i've always felt like pride was always very hollow mm-hmm. and very juvenile display of our bodies our partying our mm-hmm. drinking and flag from my own experience i was a little apprehensive of the rainbow flag because that's what i connected it to Mm -hmm. it wasn't until the last couple of years where we've really taken back what pride means that i've taken more pride in the rainbow flag Mm. yeah and if you look up so pride parades are becoming more prominent in asia which is great but if Mm -hmm. you even just google search asia pride or taipei pride or all these different countries and their pride parade what you see are just the muscular people right Mm-hmm. muscular men just in all these photos and pride is not about that but nope. you have all these floats just having all these muscular men dancing and while one sure you can have that but the point i want to stress is just a lack of representation of other types of people other body types other mm-hmm. um skin people of color, color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly we can do so much better job of that and what has become much more prominent has been police presence right at these events and the pride parades at least in new york city if you want to host an event there is a mandatory requirement where you have to employ a certain number of officers for a certain number of heads that are going to be into attendance at your events mm-hmm. and what happens at these events they, these police officers show up most of them really don't do much they just stand around Mm -hmm. and if anyone does anything slightly odd usually people of color end up being beat and then being jailed i mean that's the police in general right Right? historically they've been used to they persecute marginalized communities pride was ushered in by the stonewall uh, riots Mm -hmm. when it was led by a a black trans woman it was because all these people were beat and violence toward our community that the following year was the first Pride. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why we don't want police at Pride. They're more than welcome to come if they're not uniformed, mm-hmm. which shows that they're supporting us and out of their allies. But just the uniform alone has become a symbol of oppression. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until many, many decades later, until the past, 
I think it was this year or the year before, where the New York City, the NYPD said that what they did at you know Stonewall was not right. And I'm like, how how long did it take for you to realize this? Meanwhile, <laughs> like Pride has gone fun for many decades. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about Juneteenth finally being mm. uh, being being announced. So you know, while Columbus um, Day is still a holiday. Yeah. So owning up to accountability is isn't exactly our forte. Hmm. I do agree. In the shift away from policing, which is great. I went to World Pride in 2019. They hired NYPD to help manage the ebb and flow of all the streets because the main streets of New York City are shut down for the parade itself. And these people were just complete, you know, for lack of a better term, assholes to so many folks who just showed up, right? To march and be in the parade. And sometimes... The police who are hired follow rules so stringently, even when it doesn't hurt people, and use rules to abuse others. And that's the crazy part, right? When something is really clearly not hurting people, especially protests, for example, right? In protesting, you can only be in a certain spot during a certain time under certain permits. And... Pray to God, you know, should you break any of them, you are violating many, many different rules and laws and regulations that were also enacted by other people in power who, you know, we don't have to go there, but it's just many layers of <laughs> many layers of inequity. And so, yeah, in those instances, you have peaceful protests being disbanded completely, police coming in, breaking in war machines to help combat Peep unarmed people and for folks who may still be a little confused of why moving away from having at least for new york city the nypd at new york city pride events is because one it is moving away and shifting away from these services that haven't served our community Two, opening up the funds to be invested into other forms of I wouldn't say policing, but just protecting community. Yeah, exactly. Protecting the community. Yes. Yeah. And so ranging right from medics uh, to marshals, just like a bunch of different people that help the protest parade, whatever the event is and keeping people safe as top priority mm-hmm. versus policing people. This shift away is more of a holistic approach to event management and helping to ensure everyone's protected and safe. It does feel like the police are there. It does make it seem like there is going to be something that wrong that goes in this, in this mm-hmm. situation where there's some sort of violence. But, you know, like most prides, I haven't heard of real violence aside from a San Francisco shooting a few years ago during Pride. I'm just like, this is bonk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the last part is just, what do we do now? Like all these things are happening, companies being very performative, police being kind of useless. (laughs) I mean, to to circle back to Mm. corporations, I think a good comparison would be Mm Chick-fil-A to Barilla. 
I mean, Chick-fil-A for years has said that they stopped donating to anti-LGBTQ organizations, mm-hmm. but it's proven time and time again that they've um, held back the Equality Act through various means and various like dark money scandals. Yeah. Opposed to Barilla, which years ago they said, if you're gay, don't eat our pasta. But after that, they really did a good job of rehabilitating their image. Aside from that, along with their hiring practices, they became one of the most queer-friendly businesses mm-hmm. out there, which is really interesting, mm-hmm. opposed to places like Dolce & Gabbana, but let's not go there. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah. God, <laughs> God. The Chick-fil-A, I mean, that, that whole business, like what's happening lately is the, the, the people who are in power, the founders, right? who get money mm-hmm. from all these franchises, they are donating money directly themselves, not through the company. The twisted part is that they were using company money to sponsor anti-queer mm-hmm. legislation and anti-queer politicians. And now they're like, okay, we won't do it through the company. We'll do it through our own personal means that is funded through their company dollars. So the money's still going there. It's just a matter yeah. of people just need to stop eating them. I just cannot. I don't even know it's why this is a discussion. Chicken, I'm sorry. I, I mean, uh, but we can also talk about the Pulse shooting. Mm-hmm. The anniversary was a couple days ago. And for optics, Chick-fil-A kept open on Sunday and was feeding people at the site, volunteers there, which is all about optics. And yet they were still c- continuing to donate to companies that would promote conversion therapy, mm-hmm. which is honestly one of the most cruel things a person can go through. Mm-hmm. And yet they s- still, we still have all these gays still eating at Chick-fil-A. I know. Stop eating their chicken. My gosh, it's as if if Donald Trump came out with a chicken sandwich and it was somehow delicious that all of a sudden people eat. It's just, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's just... It's not worth it. It's, 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 I mean, <laughs> given 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 how capitalism is, look at how many chicken sandwiches there are in the world now. Like every single fast food place has a chicken sandwich. Just go there. Just don't just don't go to Chick Fil A, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's come on. No, and we as consumers forget, right? The power that we have is the decision of our money. And some people go, well, no, I learned that about that company. Why do I have to do that? And yes, I will empathize. It's frustrating to know companies that you once have bought a lot of products from are not equitable, right? They're not good mm-hmm. to people. I, I get it because we have this vision, right? These companies are doing so good. I want to support them. And they're like, oh, it's a heartbreak. Yes. But what we need to do next is utilize that insight right that knowledge to help propel movements with our dollars and instead of acting powerless and hopeless because we already made that decision it's okay i always tell people what's happened has happened but what we do today and what we do tomorrow with our knowledge and what we understand better about the world that's what we have to be accountable for. I, I had an argument with this person online about Chick-fil-A. And he was talking about how one of his friends who was gay and his husband owned a Chick-fil-A and they seem to be doing well. It's, it's actually very narrow-minded. Anecdotes like that are very narrow-minded and very singular. 
because he he didn't think about like all these other people going through all this. I mean, there might be a gate in Ohio or Tennessee or Kentucky still fighting for their rights, still afraid to come out of the closet. We're still in a movement. We're still progressing. And there's a lot of powers out there still trying to push us back. And so a lot of people don't understand that we're still in the fight of our lives or for our lives, rather. We cannot co-opt the tools of our oppressors to think that that's the way that we can be liberated. That is the most backwards thinking ever, right? It's like, let me work with them and somehow I'll be free. It's no worse than the people who worked with Hitler to think that somehow they were escaping Nazi Germany. You've got to put your foot down. And there's a lot of people who, who put their foot down and they lost their lives, unfortunately, for it. But they stood up against inhumane practices and this mm-hmm. horrific movement. But there's many people who co-opted and became a part of the oppressive movement because they had reasons, right? Rationale of, oh, well, I need to do this. I need to do X, Y, and Z. And I, I actually... I read so much about history to understand how do we even get there? Because as humans, our brains haven't evolved exponentially greater than 50, 100 years ago. We still take in, we still learn, we still understand the world in the same similar capacity. But somehow you had a whole movement of people killing millions of people because of just who they were. And so I'm really fascinated to understand what can we do differently? And what I've come down to is sometimes these narratives that we play in our heads, right? These rationalization of oppression so that we can get paid, we can do X, Y, Z. And there comes a point when we just need to put our foot down. And if we don't start doing that, it's game over. Game over. Yeah. And so last part is just how do we show up? right? How do we show up? What do we do? And um, I I guess it, you know, ladders up from what I just mentioned of just putting our foot down and just standing up against intolerance, standing up against companies that have poor practices, whether it's because they're donating money to politicians who are opposing queer liberation, or they just don't have support or rights afforded to people within internal of their company. Even small things like just being yourself and being your queer ass self, there might be someone out there looking at you, wishing that they could be like you and striving to be in your situation right now. And we never have to change who we are to get the basic fundamental freedom that is afforded to every human. Mm -hmm. We don't have to talk any different. We don't have to say anything different. We don't have to color our hairs a certain way. We don't have to be anything. Just be yourself. Yeah, just be yourself. And the freedom that you should be granted just to be yourself, that should be a right that is afforded to everyone. And so for people who sometimes question themselves or code switch, Mm -hmm. trying to adjust who they are in different spaces, my challenge to you is asking yourself, who are you prioritizing? Why must you prioritize other people for the sake of your own self-expression and show up authentically? The last part is just, for any allies listening, how do you show up, right? The first advice is allyship is not something that you claim, but you exemplify. Whoever you're allying to, 
those are the people that signify your allyship. Those are the people that that uh, verify that your allyship. You can't just say you're an ally and mm. just be one. You have to show up. You have to do the work. Right? Yes. I'm an ally this month and then literally have done nothing. I'm like, this is, it's all over LinkedIn. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm going back to ally is focusing on the work, really focusing on the work, right? It's not about rainbows. It's not about wearing a rainbow. It's not about signifying to others that, oh, look at me. Look how I'm here to accept you. No, show what that acceptance looks like. Show what does it look like to be a friend. If you have no queer friends and yet you are wearing a rainbow in the month of June, like, look at me, I'm an ally. I think there's another question to ask is, why don't you have any queer friends? Hmm? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Not about wearing the rainbow, sweetie. <laughs> and so show through uh, action versus your words and lead by example that's allyship in general right like you have to get to know more perspectives and more people of just different walks of life that's the only way you can ever become truly mm-hmm. open-minded and supporting other groups mm. it's those people that only hang out with people like them those are the people that have no real outside perspective so mm-hmm. how can we expect them to be an ally absolutely and i mean that's a great tip for just folks in the lgbtq community just observing who are you friends with and who are you surrounding yourself with too if you take a group photo and uh, and you can't pick yourself out from a dozen people i think there's an issue there i think you you need to open your friend circles to other groups yeah absolutely and there's no right what social ladder are you trying to climb nobody at the end of the day nobody who matters cares about that (laughs) no amount of abs in a photo is i mean to be honest right i chased that for a long time you know i'm like oh my god look who i'm friends and look i'm I'm," and, and now i'm just like what does it matter I don't take that to the grave when I die. Like, nobody's dying with me, you know? Nope. And nope. so it's like, why? Why chase after that? Why chase after the solace of all these people? And at the end of the day, the people who matter aren't going to care about that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's and all very shallow. It's very shallow, yeah. And if we just keep doing that and chasing after people who care about that, right? What? They're just going to keep judging you based on visual mm-hmm. appearances. And, it's, and you know, it's the biggest lesson I've learned is just for the longest time, I was like, no, I have to be, you know, muscular. I have to be all this, blah, 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 so I can attract, you know, whoever of my dreams. But the person who's going to matter does not, like, that doesn't matter to them. Mm-hmm. But the people who that matters to, the instance, you know, you gain five pounds, they're gone. Instance, they find somebody else who is more chiseled, more muscular, skinnier, whatever it is. They're just going to leave for that. And so when we base so much of our decision on these very external, vapid attributes, sometimes what you chase with that honey is not always the best thing. It's, it's very intoxicating, though. 
Mm. We have to be honest. It's very intoxicating. Uh, these clout chasers—they—they're mm. intoxicated by this fame mm-hmm. or this, this popularity or this just visual aspect of these people. I mean, if the last year didn't prove, <sighs> all these influencers are very shallow. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing else will prove it. And you can't carry that with you anywhere. We're all gonna at one point grow older. That's fact. We're going to grow older. There's a huge discussion within the accessibility movement where all of us are going to suffer a disability to a certain regard as we grow older. That's fact. And our bodies, it's going to shift. And that's fact, you know. And when we start to decouple away from this concept that our identity is our body... I think that is another form of liberation too, where it is becoming aware of all these other aspects of of us, right? Our consciousness, Mm -hmm. our relationships, so many things that are outside of us. And yeah, anyway, at least for allies within the queer community and for other people outside of it, just show up. So we've talked about a lot of stuff. Derek, any last words of wisdom, advice for our listeners? final takeaways because it's pride month just be as queer as you can be because there's someone out there looking at you right now wishing that they were in your shoes wishing that they were in your position wishing they could be as liberated and as free as you are free to be i think one area of Mm -hmm. uh, marketing corporations do is toxic positivity Mm. without real in-depth looks at the struggle that gays have gone through it's just like oh rainbow flag yes it's we're all happy and we're all like ooh la 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 but it doesn't really it's it's very shallow and it, there's a, a a deeper dive mm. into the struggles that we have gone through or are still currently going through mm. and hmm, last bits from me just celebrate you this month is about pride and about liberation and especially for queer folks it starts with you so this month celebrate you do you enjoy life yeah be joyous (laughs) Derek keeps telling me to smile on my Instagram (laughs) (laughs) we're we're living in a in a post telling people to smile world okay I'm just saying like (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying (laughs) Well, thank you all for listening. And Derek, if people want to find you, how can they follow you? You can find me through my Instagram, Find Your Fearless. And then if you want to find me, you can follow my Instagram at Steven Wakabayashi. And then uh, I'm also on Twitter and other spaces, either at Steven Wakabayashi or at Waku, W-A-K-U-U, because my name is not, it doesn't fit within their guidelines. So, <laughs> so with that, thank you all for listening. Have an awesome rest of your Pride season. Shine, be who you are unapologetically, and we'll talk to you later. (laughs) Bye. Bye.